I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The United Nations says at least half a million refugees have fled Ukraine since Russia invaded last week. Many others have decided to stay and fight or provide aid. On today's show, we're going to hear from some of them, people living through the Russian invasion of their country, which is now in its sixth day. We talked to four people in Ukraine on Sunday. All of them are natives who, until last week, were simply living their lives. Two of them are journalists, one's a sales manager, and another is a software engineer. We were connected to them by Maxim Zubkov, a Ukrainian mathematics PhD student at UC Berkeley. He joins me today to talk about what it's like to be thousands of miles away when your home country is invaded and suddenly at war. Let's start with the invasion itself. These are the voices of our interview subjects in Ukraine. I will introduce them later in the show. For now, let's hear them describing the early morning of Thursday, February 24th. I woke up early, like 3 a.m., I guess. And I was anxious, like very, very anxious. And I was looking through the news like crazy. It was 4 a.m. and uh, we woke up uh, because the phone was ringing. It was our friend. She told us that Kharkiv is on fire, so we need to get back home in our hometown. We are from Khmelnytsky. I woke up because I heard uh, rocket strikes, missile strikes, I think. And uh, I hoped that uh, that was like uh, military training or something. But after the second missile strike, I understood what it was. I've never heard sounds of war actually before. Never in my life. So I couldn't understand what was happening. I just woke up my wife and told her to pack everything up. And we went to our friends. There was no real plan, actually. We just wanted to be together, I guess. We were waiting for news. And in 7 a.m., I saw and hear uh, the explosion near our house. So I saw it through the window. Uh, and it was really very scary, and I have a shock because it just like was like a bad <laughs> game, <laughs> computer game. It's really hard to remember everything because this three last days were like a couple of months actually. And I uh, came to wake up my relatives, and I was forced to tell them that uh, the war had started. That was like the hardest thing to me, to tell my relatives that war has started. Those are Ukrainian citizens describing the first 24 hours of Russia's invasion of their home country. Let's meet one of the voices you just heard. Dima Korkin is a 33-year-old software engineer from Kharkiv, a city only about 20 miles from the Russian border, which has seen heavy fighting. He works as a contractor with European and American software companies. So we asked him how he's feeling and what he thinks Americans should know about Ukraine that we might not realize. I try to stay optimistic because it's good for the, you know, psychological state of affairs. I try to, you know, believe that everything is going to be all right. I do believe that Ukraine is going to stand. I was surprised on on the performance of Ukrainian military. I think it's good doing a very good job at that. Ukraine is a nation. We're very specific people with very specific national identity. And even though there are mature people 
living in Ukraine, some of them Russian-speaking, some of them Ukrainian-speaking. They're very specific people with very specific identity. And I do believe that it is our right to have that. We were introduced to Korkin and everyone else you'll hear from in this episode by Maxim Zubkov, the Berkeley PhD student. If you're a San Francisco Chronicle reader, you might have seen Maxim's picture in a recent story headlined, Worst Nightmare Scenario for Bay Area's Ukrainian Community. He's sitting on some steps looking at his phone with a blue and yellow Ukrainian flag draped around his shoulders. That photo was taken by the Chronicle's Gabriel Lurie, and Maxim told her he has friends back home who want to tell their stories. That's the genesis of this episode. Maxim arrived in the U.S. in 2013 during Ukraine's Revolution of Dignity, which resulted in the overthrow of the pro-Russian government of President Viktor Yanukovych in 2014. He's 29 years old, and his mother, thankfully, just recently arrived in the U.S. from Ukraine right before Russia invaded. Though his mother is here, he has many other loved ones in Ukraine. He'll explain what it's like to watch a war unfold in your home country from Berkeley and what he wants all Americans to understand. I was wondering if we could start with you describing the moment when you first heard the news of the invasion. Where were you and what was your reaction? Right now, you're telling me this and I have goosebumps on my skin because... When I'm thinking about this right now, it's it's even for me difficult to talk, to be honest. I was in my office and with my office mates, I was during the entire like Ukrainian conflict. People sometimes forget that it started in 2014. I have been living in that some sort of nightmare for for eight years already. So it sounds like how it was you know, like painful for me realizing that that is happening with my country. So that's why I was like monitoring the uh, social medias. And then I saw that Putin is releasing the statements that he's live right now. And when he said uh, military operation, I realized there's going to be invasion right now. And I, I remember the time, it was around like 7 p.m. So it was around like uh, 5 a.m. my time in Ukraine. So I dropped that video right away and I called my family first. I called them and the first words that I say was like, it's like war. So please wake up, monitor the situation. We have no idea what is the scale of war because the worst case scenario when they're going to just start bombing all the cities. Mm -hmm. And my family lives like 120 miles from the city. Since then, last five days for me, I don't even remember that, to be honest. (laughs) For me, it was 24-7. I don't know what is going on. How have you been spending the last recent days? I know it's been very hectic and you've been coordinating a lot of communication with loved ones back at home. What what have you been spending your time doing? So Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, I was start trying to raise campaign for like fundraising. Of course, I was like super active on social media, texting my friends, posting a lot of stories, finding the news, videos. And last thing I realized that uh, as a, like a Ukrainian, I really care about people from my hometown. I came from low-income family. I was raised by single mother. I know what is the struggle of looking for coins in your apartment to go and buy bread. And right now, it's really difficult for me realizing that there are like hundreds low-income families with a lot of kids, uh, old people, like uh, animals in shelters. 
that need support because right now the whole country froze. People cannot go to work. So for the last 24 hours, uh, we, with my friends, organized kind of the fundraiser for uh, help Odessa and help Chernomorsk. I first was panicking and then realized, uh, trying to inform a lot of people. And then I was trying to uh, raise money for Ukraine, uh, for like big uh, companies. So then I decided... Then I realized I can do it by myself, just contacting people in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And what are you hearing from people in your hometown? What have they been saying to you that maybe news coverage isn't aware of? So one thing that I hear a lot, that imagine just for a second, like Ukraine, like 40 million people right now. And for every single person that I was talking to, their lack of sleep. They just don't sleep. They have always uh, the alarm that air bombing is coming. Whenever I talk to someone, they in constant stress. Right now, when I was talking to my mom, I'm, I already cried a couple of times, to be honest, <laughs> during all this conflict. But the feeling that I have inside, you know, like my heart, my soul, the moment when we know that that is going to be over, that's what we were all waiting for. Mm-hmm. So because right now we all in constant stress and that's that's a nightmare, to be honest. More with Maxim Zukov after a quick break. First, let's hear from another Ukrainian citizen he connected us to. Lilia Kiashko is a 27-year-old journalist who lives in the suburbs of Kiev. After the invasion, she and her husband, who you'll hear from after the break, returned to their hometown of Kamelitsky, about 225 miles west of Kiev. She says she's been inspired by the overwhelming response by Ukrainians to step up and help and fight. There are a lot of people give their homes for people who are moved from Kiev or from another region and uh, give them a shelter, give them food, uh, give them some things, some clothes, everybody helping each other. And this is great. And uh, how we feel just in, we feel terrified, really. But we know that we are all together and everybody will fight. Uh, My uh, friend, Granny, she is 83 years old and (laughs) she uh, took a knife and uh, tried to clean it up. Because she wants to fight and she wants to protect her house. Everybody here will fight. Because freedom for us is uh, the most value. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Before the break, we heard from Lilia Kiashko, who described the will of Ukrainians to step up and fight. Her husband is Dima Kiashko. He's 31, a sales manager for a logistics company. When we spoke to him on Sunday, he shared that the will is so strong that they're even turning people away, like him. When I came to military office, said, okay, please give me a gun, I will go and we'll fight. They said, listen, young man. We are already fully packed with people who have a much more experience than you have. So please, go away and just try to help in another area. But for Ukrainians in the U.S., like Maxim Zubkov, the urge to protect their home country and loved ones turns into a feeling of longing and pain. Let's return to my conversation with Maxim. 
what is it like for you to be so far from the people you love in Ukraine? I know your mother is here, uh, but what is, it, what is it like to listen to their voices and for you to be so far from them? So first thing that I wanted to do is to buy a ticket to Poland and to fly that night and either go to border, cross the border, I don't know. And then I realized that the best what I can do right now is try to help from here. My nightmare right now, to be honest, when I either message my family members or message my friends who are in the hotspots, message like my girlfriend there, when they don't respond to my message within an hour or two hours, I'm not like starting panicking, but I'm in constant stress because <laughs> every time when I woke up and, or when I go to sleep, to be honest, I don't want to sleep mm -hmm. because I'm really scared to wake up and read terrible news. Yeah. And yeah. another like interesting fact, I was in Ukraine from December 29th, 2021 till February 11th. I supposed to go back to United States on January 29th, but I got COVID and my flight got delayed by two weeks. Wow. So I was there recently. Yeah. I saw everything. Right. I saw how Ukraine has changed in the last eight years. Yeah. And right now for me it's crazy that that is war. Because yeah, you so were there know. so you were there so recently you can picture what the situation could look yeah. like because you were just there. When you say you wanted to buy a plane ticket to go to Poland and cross the border, can you describe that feeling or that that urge to do that? What what's motivating that that feeling? In some sense there was like urge to go back home because that is my homeland and try just to help. I'm 29 years old and I can hold gun in my hands and just go and fight. But I never hold gun in my hands and I try to shoot and I'm a bad aimer, to mm -hmm. be honest. So, And then I realized there's another way how we can fight. If the situation is going to be critical, I'm going to go and do that. If the situation mm -hmm. is going to be really critical. So basically that was just orge. I just want to go and be in Ukraine to yeah. be on on a, on a site and yeah and help there. We're hearing so many compelling stories from Ukraine right now especially how deeply committed people are to defend their country, people standing in really long lines to volunteer, even grandmothers defending their own homes. What has it been like watching Ukrainians step up and defend their cities in this way? Yeah, so that's probably one of the things that people are surprised because I was constantly like monitoring the news, what is officials in US are saying. Ukraine is going to fall within 72 hours. Right now, it has been more than 100, I think like 10 or 112 hours. Even Russians are surprised. Everyone's surprised. To be honest, even I'm surprised. Because there's one saying that we, that we see all over the social medias. If Russia is going to stop, the war is going to be over. If Ukraine is going to be stopped, there is going to be no Ukraine. Mm. So right now, in every like person, Ukrainian heart, we have this saying in our mind. This is our like prayer right now. Yeah. You're not the only one who's been so encouraged by the force of Ukrainians fighting right now. Let's hear from Ila Betizenko, who's a 27-year-old reporter from Kyiv. 
Heads up, he uses some very strong language. He's a correspondent from a pro-Ukrainian TV channel called Espresso. And when the Russians invaded last week, Betazenko joined the Ukrainian Territory Defense Forces, which is the volunteer civilian army. He's not in a combat role yet, he says, but he's providing humanitarian support. I'm carefully optimistic. Because if you won't be carefully optimistic, you will die yesterday. Why am I careful? Because there are a lot of Russians, unfortunately, like a shit ton of Russians, okay? And they have shit ton of armor and planes and whatnot. But their strategies lately are very flawed. They think that if they will seize Kiev, everything will end, like the same second. But it won't. It ain't Donbass. Thousands upon thousands of Ukrainians, like, with no weapons, no armor, nothing, are going against Russian tanks and telling them to fuck off, and uh, it's working. Maxim, the world is witnessing the force of Ukrainians right now, and for many of us, it's the first time people are paying attention to Ukraine. What do you want people to understand about your home country and the Ukrainian people? What makes Ukraine such a special place? So we have that tradition. Whenever you go to someone's house, we're always going to bring something, a small gift. Mm -hmm. Even like a a single orange, some cookies, coffee, tea. So whenever someone going to come to us, we're going to put all our food on a table. Even if there is someone that we don't like, we don't care. We have the simple rule. When you go somewhere, you bring something. And when someone comes to your place, you put something on the table. So that's why if you know like all these memes and all the stories about like old grandma, old grandmas who try to feed you food, that is kind of uh, spirit of Ukraine that we always like welcome. We always want to share. And one thing, another thing that's missing about our people, that whenever... I don't know, something happened on your job or, I don't know, just you're not in good mood and you like driving by or crossing by your friend's house, you can call them, you can say, listen, I need to talk and they will always find time for you. And here sometimes I'm really tired, to be honest, when I'm trying to talk to my friends, I really need help and they're saying, they're sending me the appointment, the availability time and stuff where they can talk. So that's why I want to say that we're really welcoming. So if you have Ukrainian friend, then you for sure know that. How have you been feeling? I mean, do you feel like um, you've been supported by the local Bay Area community? Oh, there's like, to be honest, a completely different story. Because I'm really, really, to be honest, disappointed by UC Berkeley and by my university. As I mentioned before, it was already like more than 110 hours. It, it was already like five days in uh, four hours. And you see Berkeley officials hasn't released any statement, just realizes any statement about that conflict. Whenever something happened on a smaller scale, we receive emails For me, as a UC Berkeley student, it really hurts me because this conflict affects everyone. I went there to Instagram page, not a single post about Ukraine. So I am really, really disappointed 
when we talk about freedom, when we talk about democracy, you need not only say something, you need to do something. I just want to ask one simple question. Why the statements hasn't not be, been released within five days? And my second statement that I want to make clear, any statement that is going to be released after five days, it's already too late. So, and I want to see not only right now some kind of support that we with you Ukrainians and all the stuff, I want to see some action. I want to see how they're going to outline the steps, what a regular U.S. citizen can do to help Ukraine. Berkeley, that is like where is like the standpoint of democracy, the standpoint of freedom. They hasn't released any statements within five days. I'm sorry for this like long speech. I just want trying to say, just trying trying to communi uh, communicate the pain. Yeah. Aside from educating ourselves, how can Bay Area residents help Ukrainians right now, both locally and abroad? Maybe I would love to learn more about your your fundraising efforts. So uh, what we are doing right now, my fundraising efforts uh, targeting right now is my local community in Ukraine. So it's like Odessa and uh, Chernomorsk. And what I want to try to communicate to my other Ukrainian fellow friends and stuff, do something similar in their communities. So one of the things that uh, Bay Area citizens can do on a general bigger, bigger scale, they can go and try to fundraise to Red Cross Ukraine or official National Bank of Ukraine But those things like focused on helping U uh, Ukraine military or people who were like affected, uh, like soldiers. Red Cross is helping uh, people who was also affected by like refugees and stuff. So basically, a donation probably is the best thing. And the second thing is uh, share information. We need to be aware what is going on. How has it felt connecting with the local Ukrainian community? I, I imagine that a lot of you are leaning on each other in this moment. That's really interesting because whenever I meet someone at this particular moment, that person becomes my best friend. Mm. I met a lot of people right now. I found some journal, some journals there who is helping uh, 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 Ukrainian resistance, and we had a short conversation with him. We agreed after all this is going to be over, I'm going to fly to Kiev and drink beer with him. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's what is going on. We're just supporting each other. And right now, I haven't seen Ukrainian community and world community so united. Yeah, It's probably for the first time. <laughs> well, Maxim, I can't wait for you to get that beer. I know the past few days has been really painful and hectic for you. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. That journalist Zubkov wants to grab a beer with? That's Ila Berezenko, that fiery TV reporter you heard from earlier. Thanks to him, along with Dima Korkin, as well as Lilia and Dima Kiyashko for speaking with us from Ukraine. Those interviews were arranged by Maxim Zubkov. If you want to learn more or contribute to his fundraising efforts, visit his website, maximzubkov.com. That's M-A-K-S-Y-M-Z-U-B-K-O-V.com. We'll put that in the description of this episode. For ongoing coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. 
If you want more insight into the political stakes of the war, you can check out the episode we published last Friday. I spoke with Stephen Fish, a political science professor at UC Berkeley. The episode is titled, Russia's Invasion of Ukraine, We're Way Past a New Cold War Era. This episode was produced by King Kaufman with help from Sarah Feldberg. King collected all the interviews with Ukrainian citizens who were in this episode. Thank you again to Maxim Zukov for connecting us to them. Special thanks to Gabrielle Lurie and Taya Francesca Price. And thanks to you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>